What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Almighty Podcast. This is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com, and I am joined by Adam from BackPatioNetwork.com. And we are here to talk more about the Vigilantes offshoot manga of My Hero Academia. But before we get there, we do have a little bit of, I guess, what, what we would call housekeeping. I know that the Hero Notes podcast calls it that, too. So that's been primed in my brain to call it that. And that's what we're going to call it now, too. So go for it. I like it. Housekeeping is perfect. Uh, really, all we got to say is if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us an iTunes review. It really helps. It helps get the word out. Uh, we haven't gotten any in a while, and we'd love to see that number jump up. So if you could, it would be great if you would left us an iTunes review or a review on whatever podcasting application you use. So thanks. Yeah, and, and it's true for any podcast or, or really any free medium that you're participating in. Um, you know, just to, if, you, if you appreciate a product, not even just what Adam and I might be producing or anything that the Back Patio uh, is, is hosting uh, podcast-wise, but anything that you're listening to, it's always a really nice gesture to the people who are putting those things on. Just to go and leave, a you know, it takes you two seconds to leave a review somewhere and just let them know that yeah. you're digging it, man. And, and we see those things. We're aware of them when they drop. And uh, we, we usually shout them out, too, when we see them. Um, yeah, definitely. We're not swimming in them where it's like, oh, we can't shout out all hundred of these things. So <laughs> if you uh, if you leave us a review, we're probably going to call your name out on uh, on the air. I would definitely do that because that would be awesome. Uh, and the link to give us a review is actually in the description. So it's easy for you. All you got to do is click that link. And we also have a link for our discord in there. If you like talking vigilantes or my hero or anime in general, hop in the discord, hang out with us. Uh, Adkins is really active in there. I've been super busy with work, but I'm planning on being more active soon. So. Uh, we'd love to have you. Yeah, and you can follow us on Twitter at, at AlmightyPod. Uh, and we do uh, My Hero Academia Trivia Tuesdays. We do Almighty Mondays when episodes drop. I remind you guys of birthdays. We retweet uh, some of the other podcasters that, that we are growing familiar with inside of the community uh, and other My Hero Academia uh, content just as bonus material when, when we're not actually recording or have an episode up. So it's always fun. All these places, uh, we're really just celebrating something that we enjoy. And we definitely want to invite you into those spaces with us. Yes, absolutely. We would love to have you, uh, whether that's on Twitter, social media, Facebook, whatever, or in the Discord, just hanging out talking with us. We would love it. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump in. These chapters, 19, 20, 21, and 22, uh, they were a lot of fun. I know that I say that about like Every segment that we have, it feels like I'm always start that off with like, oh, they were a lot of fun. But I mean, really, they were. I I always enjoy a lot of these uh these issues that we're getting to read. Even with the show, it was always a lot of fun. Yeah, there are some big things happen in these four chapters for sure. I wasn't a fan of most of the content of these four chapters, but the stuff that I really dug, I really dug. If that makes any sense whatsoever besides me just being repetitive and redundant. Um, there were a lot of revealing high points in these four. Yeah, like, there yeah. wasn't a lot that really happened because it all takes place within a short time span, it feels like, like of almost like a week or two. And I feel like typically speaking, a four chapter takes time over about a month-ish. Um, but it felt like there were some really big reveals in this one. Well, this gets us into volume four of the manga. Um, in fact, volume four is going to host... Uh, the chapters for this episode of the Almighty Podcast and also the next one. So if you're following along or you're wanting to read along uh, 19 through 22, and then also what we're going to cover in our next episode, uh, which is chapters 23 through 26, and also uh, kind of an extra chapter called episode zero. All of that is in volume four, which you can find pretty much anywhere. Amazon's got them for less than 10 bucks, Barnes and Noble uh, right at that number. So pretty affordable for what you get, I think. Yeah, I would agree. 
Well, let's go ahead and kick it off, man. Uh, this is named Episode 19, Family. Uh, and it's it's always struck me as kind of interesting that they these are titled episodes and not images. Chapters, you mean? Yeah, yeah, chapters. I don't know why images. I images. <laughs> oh, <whatever>. <laughs> Although speaking of images, I when I opened up the uh, this volume of the manga and saw that uh, the the splash page or the ti- the title page, if you want to call it that, for episode nineteen has Knuckle Duster like slamming down on the ground, not into trash. I would like to point out, um, <laughs> which feels like a continuity error. But anyway, I was like, oh sweet, we're jumping right into the action. But we kind of don't. We actually start with Soga, who is a character that we are growing more and more familiar with. He feels mm-hmm. almost like a, like a, not really part of the team, but kind of tangentially a part of the team, if yeah, that makes sense. He, he he's does. working alongside them a lot. Yeah, and it's weird because our first introduction to him was not good. I mean, the dude was a total douche, like beating up on Koichi, attempting to rape Pop Step. Like, yeah, it was just and weird. Film it. Yeah, it was strange, but he's making a little bit of a turn, maybe, um, yeah. although he doesn't really... He's also still keeping his distance, really, from the vigilantes. We'll cover that when it comes to it. But Would you call him start... like an anti-hero, almost? Uh, I mean, he's not no. really a vigilante. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think he's may- maybe trying to figure out who he is or, or yeah, that what, makes sense. what he's going to do. I- I'm not sure. I don't have a strong grasp of his character because he is very kind of tangential right now. Like, yeah. I don't feel like he's in the middle of everything. That's like, a really we see good the X-Men way more than we do Soga. Yeah, 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 you're right. No, you're totally right. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, it's good. So, uh, apparently, Knuckle Duster has conscripted uh, Soga. I don't know if he's done so, like, by intimidating him, or if Soga's in on this deal uh, just for his own kicks and giggles, or because he wants to be helpful, but uh, we we find out a little bit after where we begin that Knuckle Duster has him canvassing the neighborhoods looking for a particular school girl yeah and it's really weird too because uh i mean first of all soga is hanging outside of a school of what you could assume is our younger girls so he's you know kind of freaking all the girls out but uh two of the girls that are there recognize uh what this picture that soga is showing everybody and it turns out that he's basically asking for queen b i mean we know her as queen b i guess the picture he's showing is of a younger version of her where she's got longer hair and she doesn't have an eye patch um, and it's kind of strange because her one friend is like, oh, hey, isn't that Hachisuki? We should probably let somebody or let her know that someone's looking after her. And when she turns back to talk to the second friend, the second friend's gone. And we get a really strange scene following this up where. Oh, yeah. She like lean- the second friend is in a weird alley and like pops her head out as Soga is walking off from the school and is like, hey, you know, you got business with Hachisuka. Come over here and talk to me. and. You know, they're kind of discussing what's going on, and out of nowhere, this girl is like, well, okay, I guess, you know, I got something special in store for you, and she starts to pull up her skirt, and bees come out. It's so strange, and I guess she's like a host for bees for Queen Bee is what I would assume. Yeah, I can't. My only thought is, so we, we're pretty sure that this Hachisuka character has this quirk that's called Queen Bee, right? Yeah. And so she's definitely got a hive in her head head slash body cavity because there's way too many bees coming out of her than to just fit inside right. of her cranium. And they're not just bees, like they're they're these weird vile bees. Yeah. And these are that as well. Like right. if you look closely, you can see that they also have the little um like hypodermic needle. I know all bees are like that, but you, you get the picture. Right, um, right. You can tell these aren't like an actual animal bee. Yeah, yeah. But they come out from between her legs and not out of, you know, cavity on her face. So are we looking at a quirk? This is my only, this is like maybe me no prizing how this works. Maybe we're looking at 
another instance of a quirk that is transferable or shareable. Maybe, ah, see, I maybe don't think it does so. work like an infection. Like you were, did you use that word or am I th- putting that word in your mouth? Like I think maybe you put Queen that word Bee has mouth. somehow made her able to manifest bees somehow. So, well, here's my theory, uh, and this is going to reveal a little bit of the next chapter. But we find out that Queen Bee has like terrorized these two people and basically killed them with her bees it seems like and we'll talk more about it later but i think that this this character her friend was the daughter of those two people the real daughter of those two people and she has infected her i'm going to use that word now with bees and is able to control her with these bees and she's basically Hmm. used her as backup the entire time interesting like basically planted a, a bomb or something or a almost like a manchurian candidate I, okay. I think that's what's going on because we know later on when she's talking, she she goes home. We see this scene with her. She sits down on the couch. She's talking to her mom and dad. And yeah, it, this is Queen Bee, by the way, that, right. that Adam's talking about now. This is Queen Bee now. Yeah, there's a scene in the next not, chapter. Not Crotch Bee. Right. Bee. Not Crotch Bee. That's, oh, man. Uh, so there's this scene where she sits down. She's talking to who she refers to as mom and dad. But these people we find out in the next panel are like dead and they're like decrepit. They look like they've been dead for a long time. And there are bees swarming all over the place. So I get the feeling she has some way to like almost turn people into hosts and that she can control. And it just makes me wonder if she's had this friend of hers kind of taken over for a long time anyways. It could be. I, I yeah. mean, I definitely think, um, well, I, I'm, I'm all but assured of the fact that all this Queen Bee stuff is coming to a head, especially um, in this particular volume, like where we stop is a painful place to stop oh, because God, it's this it? gigantic cliffhanger for what's coming next. And right. we've been itching to have this confrontation with Queen Bee this whole time, because even from like one of the first t- couple of chapters, she's made her presence known and we've been having all these questions and desires of confrontation with her. And now it's finally there. And that's spoiler alert. That's where chapter 22 ends is with knuckle duster, like dropping in on her. And I'm just like, dang it. Now I got to wait. Yeah. But to be <laughs> so, fair, like, it was, waiting all this time. It was nice to have her back, though, because we had that brief stint where Captain Celebrity was the new kind of thing for like four chapters. And it just it really threw that story off. It, like she wasn't really brought up at all, almost. Um, but regardless, I, I really like the way that Soga handles this because he has a yeah, Bees Be awesome. Gone can and he pull he like pops his claws and stabs this can and fumes all of these bees and then runs out of the alley. <laughs> Yeah, and then his little fire-breathing friend, uh, like, basically torches all the bees uh, yeah. when, he, when he dashes out. And they just happened to be there because they didn't know. It seemed like they weren't in on what he was doing, that this is I a don't chance so. encounter that they yeah. caught up with him somehow. Yeah, they were just driving by, and they were like, oh, man, what are you doing here? Because they were wanting to know what, they were, what he was getting into. Right, what a coincidence. Right. Um, but then we, we transition, he jumps, jumps on the bike and gets out of there. We transition to Knuckle Duster, who's uh, using one of his pseudonyms i guess um or maybe this is his real name um because he's he's at a hospital and he's visiting his wife Mm -hmm. um and he's talking to her but it seems to be a one-sided conversation like the only panel that we actually see her she's got an eye patch over one of her eyes which is interesting um but she's just kind of muttering and she's not like a deku mutter like a very yeah she almost looks not catatonic but very disengaged hollow um, yeah 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 almost like maybe it's drugs but perhaps it's some sort of catatonia that that she's struggling with but i really like this scene it shows a little bit of his less aggressive humanity yeah uh, like he's just sitting there talking to his wife and just kind of 
telling her what's going on, how he's how he's doing, which I think is a really it's a really sweet scene for Knuckle Duster. And the nurse refers to them as Miss Oguro and Mister Oguro. So I, is that what you were talking about earlier? Like maybe that's his real name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could I be so. uh, because his business card that Soga has has actually got a different name on it. Um, but right. the, the doctor mentions to him, I guess, something about his wife's status because he goes back and is talking to her and. You know, he basically says, like, ah, oh, you know, your doctor just gave me a talking to, like, that's what they do, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go take care of Tama. Don't, don't you worry. Everything's going to be okay. So, you know, you're kind of led to believe that maybe Tama is their daughter or son. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. Uh, this is a lot more about n- the person that is Knuckle Duster than we've ever been given. So that was awesome. Well, he bumps into Soga in the waiting room. And Soga's like, listen, I tracked down that girl um, just basically using her school uniform. And they called her Hachisuka, which I checked the school basically rolls and it seems like it's a pseudonym. Like, that's not actually her name, so that's not going to help you. Um, but it's still like Knuckle Duster's still like, hey, this is good information. I can I can work with this. Um, so uh, they, they kind of split ways. Soga gives them a little bit of a talking to um, <laughs> Where he's just like, you know, I don't, I don't see you running around dressed like All Might, and Knuckle Duster kind of is just like, hey, exactly, right? I mean, he he knows that he's definitely not the All Might type. Yeah. Um, and it also seems to hint that maybe some of his motivations are different for this particular job because this this feels very personal for Knuckle Duster now. Um, and and you, I think you pointed out a long time ago that he seemed already familiar with the bees. Yeah, he really when did. we first saw them. Um, so it does seem like he's, he's kind of getting to the end of a, of a very specific trail of clues, um, and is, and is drawing near to that culminating moment. And we, we do get to that. It's teased at least at the end of, uh, chapter 22. Right. And then we get these weird scenes where basically Soga and his buddies run into Koichi and Popstar for like what appears to be no reason other than to say hello. I mean, it doesn't really provide much of a purpose, uh, but they do meet, which I guess is nice. Uh, yeah, actually, I was trying to remember because there was a moment in the not too distant past of Vigilantes where Soga was actually kind of teamed up a little bit with mm-hmm. the Vigilantes. And I think that Koichi's kind of trying to be chummy and um, almost like co-workers. Um, but Soga, this is where I was like, I still don't know that Soga knows where he belongs because he just kind of, you know, makes a, a mouth sound, you know, like dismisses it and walks off when when uh, Koichi's trying to be familiar with him. Yeah, if that um, if Soga had a saying or like a slogan, it would just be because he yeah. says that a jillion times. Uh, yeah. I liked in this panel too. You could see the lizard friend is in the back making fun of Pop, talking about how she's yeah. sewing some serious skin and then calls her a skank. And I was like, dude, this is like you you're not in a place to even say anything like that. Yeah, it's pretty great. Then we have the scene that you kind of talked about with the, uh, right. the parents, and she refers to them as mom and dad, um, but she also says, looks like uh, might be time to move soon, and I don't think she's talking about bringing these be-riddled corpses with her, oh, so I think that, that was... she's kind of a transient and just has new mommies and daddies wherever she, quote-unquote mommies and daddies wherever she goes. That was really punny, and you don't like puns. I really don't. But that was wait, incredible. What, wait, what did I say? Be-riddled? Did I make a pun? You made I a wasn't pun? Be-riddled bodies? Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, they are actually be-riddled. Yeah, but they're How also... How is that a pun? They're also beriddled. Isn't that like a word? Like, I felt like what? that was... No. no? Brittle? Be-riddled? I Hold mean, they, brittle, brittle is a word. Yeah. You might be thinking of debrided. That's a word. Maybe. Or debridle. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just high or something. <laughs> like what? I was like, wait, no, I take, I, I take it back. If I said upon, I don't do those things. You had me all nervous. I don't think be riddled is a word. I feel like it is, but it must not be. <laughs> oh, good. My my <laughs> reputation remains intact. You had me honestly scared. I was like, wait, I, I did one. <laughs> okay, so be riddled is not a word, but yeah, it's just an atomism. Yeah, so be riddled with something is to be full of, pervaded by something. So it is... Yeah. That's kind of punny, though, right? Because it's a bee, so it's be riddled. I, 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 you're, I feel like you're reaching. It is a <laughs> bee-riddled body. Okay. That's, that's what I meant. Okay. Well, anyways. <laughs> now that I've got that <laughs> out of How much of that is going to make the final cut? Oh, all of it. We're um, leaving it in. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to cut out some of the silences where we're waiting on you to Google, Google bee riddled. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was talking to uh, uh, Wes, one of the other podcasters that I do podcasts with the other day, and I happened to mention to him that my wife can speak German and that she's learning Spanish right now. So she's like really good at languages. And I said, I I can't imagine. I can't even speak English. And he goes, I know. I do three podcasts with you. Yeah, (laughs) he's right. But yeah, anyways, I I totally agree with you. I get the feeling that uh, she's a bit of a drifter. Like it seems like Queen Bee chooses mommy and daddies all over the place. And that's why I was saying it just wouldn't surprise me if her quote unquote friend that was also be riddled uh, was maybe the daughter of these people. And mm. she's used that whole family at this point. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It would have to be a weird possession like where she does have control. Yeah. Because it's not like that girl's going home to her mom and dad as be riddled corpses. That's true. Be hyphen riddled corpses. <laughs> um, well, we get an awesome we get 80s to... montage after this. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting to, the this cool Rockies montage yeah. where uh, Knuckle, Dust, Knuckle Duster's just making the best use of what he has, and he's like doing pull-ups with tires and chains, and the dude is just straight up destroying all this material, um, like pun- different punching uh, bags. and, and um, He looks so badass at these things. Yeah, it's a very cool, it's, it's a shame it's only a page and a half, but at the end of it, he basically just says, you ain't getting away, and he's looking at this picture of uh, the girl that he sent Soga after, which is very ominous, like, you ain't getting away... I don't know. I, I, I have, I don't know how to read that. Um, like, is he gonna, is he gonna end her life or <laughs> I don't <laughs> like, know. It sounds very aggressive I mean, he all, all by itself. Often just wants to beat people up because they, you know, would look at people wrong. So I, I can see this guy, like if, if we have more to talk about, obviously let's, let's yeah. talk about this near the end. Cause I'm, I, I want to okay. wrap back around to this. I mean, yeah, because, I mean, it's either he wants to kill her or she's just been super, super elusive and has, like, slipped out of his grasp multiple like, times. Multiple like, multiple times. That's the only two ways to really read that particular one. I, I have a theory, but we can't talk about it until we're through all chapters. So Okay, well, let's, let's move on into episode 20, which is called Event Announcement. And this is one of the two, like, the middle two chapters of this that's really... That's interesting. Um, what? Is yours different? Yeah, mine's named Discovery. Oh, interesting. So. Episode 20 is? Yeah. And huh. it's got that picture of Queen Bee with her uh, yeah. eye mask off. Yeah, mine's called Event Announcement. Yeah. And it starts with um, Koichi and Popstep, and she's she's kind of, she's gotten this email basically being asked to to perform at a local, like, reopening, I think a grand reopening mm-hmm. of, uh, or some such for a mall. And she's kind of hemming and hawing about it. She is a performer, but she's not very confident in herself. Um, and so she kind of walks this strange line for 
the, basically the rest of what we're going to be discussing. Um, and it's really weird to me, too, because she seems so confident as Pop Step, but she's so unconfident as her in real life persona. I can't remember her actual name off the top of my head. But it, yeah. it just seems like all she needs to do is like change her outfit, and then she'd read that email and be like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, and she's kind of, she defers to Koichi, and Koichi has this really interesting thought, um, yeah. which comes up a couple times for some comedic beats, where he's just like, I could say, relax, you'll be fine, and she'll punch me and say, uh, don't just tell me what I want to hear. And he's like, or I could say, don't do it then, and he gets punched still, and she says, you're supposed to be on my side, so he's just like... He just kicks it over to uh, Knuckle Duster. He's like, what do you say? Because <laughs> right. those are the only two options. What are you going to do to get punched? Yeah, I like that. And he he actually responds in kind of a weird way because he just says, uh, get out there and do your best and you help her out, Koichi. And he looks at Koichi, or he looks at Popstep and kind of like lovingly like flaps her on the head with the uh, the newspaper and just says, do it right. So, I mean, he it's kind of this weird moment of like, almost pride and endearment in his two, you know, almost Padawans is what I'm going to call them. It seems like he's, he's kind of being straight with them for once instead of having this kind of gruffness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, Koichi decides to bring Mikado in on this, which is so um, funny because he's still deferring. Like he doesn't want to tell yeah, Pop yeah. one way or another. That is, that is funny. I didn't, uh, I didn't make that connection, but that's totally what he's doing. He brings Mikado in. And plus, I mean, they know that she's kind of been running point for captain, uh, celebrity. Celebrity, which still yeah. seems weird. Gosh. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how or why she's involved in that. Well, and plus she knows who Koichi is, his secret identity. As of the, like, the last chapter, deal. though. Yeah, but I mean, like she's she's in. I she's mean, in she's, the group now. She yeah. knows too much to not be in. Yeah, right. Right. Um, plus, he's wanting to keep her close because why wouldn't you? Yeah, um, sure. And she does promise that she'll keep their masked masked escapades. Is what she calls them a secret. Yeah, um, but she does want to really do a, a good job by them. And so uh, Popstep begrudgingly uh, agrees to let her run point on this, and she just takes off. There's like a full page where all she is doing is talking about all the different things that she's going to do to make this thing lit. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, she's able to figure out a way to basically boost the show, because the way that she she makes it sound as if this is just going to be, she calls it the Neighborhood Karaoke Tournament. And Pops is kind of not super excited about that. Like, it's karaoke, you know, like she feels like she's being made fun of basically. Right. And, and then Mikado is able to say like, well, Hey, what if we really blow these up and get a bunch of sponsors involved? And we cut over to, I, I was going to ask you about this. There's a villain attacking the city and captain celebrity comes in. And at one point in time, uh, the, the villain is this weird, like, it looks like a top. Yeah. It looks like a top and it's got like blades coming out of it or something. But in my copy, I was going to ask you if you have this. It says uh, a quirk that combines gigantification, flight, spinning, and turtles. That doesn't yeah. sound possible. That thing's a dead ringer for, and then it cuts off, and it says, don't say it, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah. What is that? I think that, I don't remember what the actual thing is. I could probably look it up real fast, but um, this is a blatant knockoff of one of Godzilla's famous foes okay. is a turtle. Um, that I think can perform this particular move where it's it whirs around like that. And there are a couple of other jokes about this too. Like later on, he's fighting a giant monkey that they say has like he has an air of royalty around him mm-hmm. or about him because they can't say King Kong. Um, so I, I think that's all that it is. It's Gamera. Maybe Gamora. Gamera. Gamera. Okay. Yep. Yeah, Gamora is Guardians of the Gar- Galaxy. Right. So yeah, I think that that's what that is. Okay, um, that makes sense. I I couldn't like I just didn't. I am not a big Godzilla fan. I I don't know much about Godzilla. I saw the like '90s movie or maybe it was the 2000 movie, and that's it. So. 
I just re I just watched for the first time the two newer ones. Are they good? And the first one is the first one is real good. Yeah, and it's really pretty. Um, the second one I thought tried to do way too much. It, I, it was entertaining, um, but I, I didn't like it near as much as I liked um, the first one. Okay. But, hey, real quick too. So I was thinking about this about Captain Celebrity. He still grinds my gears. I still don't like this man. Uh, I don't know if they're going to keep him around and try to make me like him. Not that they have to, but I was thinking, I was like, what is my deal with this guy? Besides the fact that he's just a giant tool. And when I was thinking about that, it made me think of South Park. And there's a superhero in that show called Captain Hindsight. Have you ever heard of this guy? (laughs) Yeah, I know you're talking about. He like shows up on the scene and they're like, people are stuck in burning buildings. And he's just like, oh man. You guys really shouldn't have had these buildings so close together, and there should have been a fire escape on this side of the building. All right, I'm out of here. And he just flies off. Yep. That's kind of the air that I get from Captain Celebrity. It's just this tool, I guess. Um, (laughs) The other thing that he made me think of, and this has nothing to do with anything. It's just a funny story. When I was in college, um, me and my roommate were out. We were just out on a walkabout, basically, in the woods, and we were talking about silly things. And he was like, what would you do if you had, like, the powers of Superman? And one of my answers was I would be simultaneously the world's best supervillain and the world's worst superhero. (laughs) And he was like, well, how would you do that? And I said, well, I would run really fast as the supervillain, swoop in, do the dastardly thing, take all the things and then run away really fast. And then in that next split second, I would change and then fly in as the superhero that always gets there just a hair too late. And it's just like, man, not again. So I would be on the news (laughs) over and over again. For being the world's most dastardly supervillain and the world's most the 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 world's most poorly timed superhero, and it was just a really funny idea That's that I had. Awesome. I don't know why that popped into my mind thinking about Captain Celebrity, but it did. Well, I mean, come on, let's be honest. He's <laughs> he has a posse that follows around him around to pump him up because otherwise, it feels like you know he may not get the attention he needs. Yeah, I wish that the X Men weren't a part of it. I know, too. I like them too much. I like them too much like for them. for them to like him. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, basically, we cut to him because Mikado calls him and is basically just like, I want you to be like the headlining. I just want you to be there. Yeah. You, you've got you've got a lot of appeal. And plus, I'm also your PR manager. So just do this thing. It's good for everybody. Um, and then we never have to deal with him for the rest of these chapters. And we're all better for it. Right. Um, and because she's able to get him involved, she's able to get a bunch of big time sponsors involved and other big superheroes yeah. are involved. And now she's taking this from a karaoke competition to what she considers like a small indie concert. Yeah. We do we do have the X-Men hooking up or, or talking, catching up uh, rather with Pop Step, their original, uh, you know, ire of their attention, you know, the 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 glint in their eye, their original, the person that they originally were fanboying all over and before Captain Celebrity. Right. And they're, they're encouraging her. Um, and this is where, um, you know, she's like, I'm wondering if I really can do it. And then, of course, Koichi decides to uh, go with either option a or option b so he's just like ah just stop worrying about it and you know you relax you'll do fine and he gets punched um (laughs) because she just told him what uh what he thought that she wanted to hear which is pretty good um the last thing for this particular chapter is we see queen b um is made aware of this particular event now and she thinks that it's interesting however i don't know if it's maybe the bees inside of her head the twinge um i don't know how fully how to make make sense of that because it's not the voice on the other end of her earbud conversations that says that small game we don't need that there's a twinge and it's 
it looks like she winces in her head. Almost as if the bees um, aren't happy with what she's thinking about. Yeah, or maybe A, maybe it's the queen bee. Maybe that's why this quirk is called that, is there's a queen in there that is kind of in control of her somehow. Yeah, um, that's interesting. So, um, yeah, so she's just like, all right, I, apparently that's not the thing to do. Um, and then one of the schoolmates, one of the two girls uh, that Soga was interviewing at the very beginning of the, uh, the last chapter is just like, hey, what's her name? They just, she doesn't even have a name. They just, put a they just show the her. picture. Yeah. Her. <laughs> yeah. She hasn't been to school in a while. You know what's going on? She's just like, nope. And she walks off. Um, and uh, this is where we see Knuckle Duster is, is, has been watching her from afar through some binoculars. And he just says, glad to see you are in high spirits. And that's the end of chapter 20 and moves us into chapter 21, which is called uh, uh, Ensemble Assemble. I gotta say, chapter 19 and chapter 20 have some really awesome shots of Knuckle Duster. Like, just the way he's, like, standing over the camera. Such a cool-looking move. I don't know. I love the artwork in this. Yeah, he's got a very cool aesthetic, especially compared to, like, Pop Step seems very kind of gimmicky, but I think that's also her intention. Yeah. Um... And then Koichi is just a cobbled together costume. Right. Like he's just wearing something that you or I could buy, you know, could buy off of a shelf. Well, I mean, at it's a hoodie. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, um, my chapter is named Training. For 21? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean it, there is fair, some training in here. I'm reading the, a different translation than you are, I think. Right. You're reading off a book. I'm reading off of a website where they have hired translators and are translating it. But it is interesting that it's so different. Yeah. Well, this it begins with Mikado doing some more hustling. Um, she's decided that they're going to turn this thing up to eleven, um, and they've got like this jingle that this group is going to sing now, it's or like that this, Pop Step is going to sing. Yeah, and it's like this Murricane department store that basically yeah. is sponsoring the event. So they they are going to have them sing a commercial, and the owner of the store looks like this weird Mickey Mouse character. Yeah, I mean, does. And I don't know. It reminded me of the principal. I was like, this has got to be Nezu's like long lost uncle or something. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this is after hearing this jingle, Popstep gets all like flustered by it. She's like, it's such a sophisticated song, simple yet <laughs> profound. Can I really do it justice? And I'm like, it's a jingle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, and, um, and not even a great jingle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. I mean, I don't know what they set this song to, so we don't know the cadence or anything like that. But just reading the lyrics, I wasn't struck by it. But, you know, she's feeling the pressure. This is becoming a much larger thing than the karaoke gig that she basically had signed up for. And she's she's introduced to the rest of the ensemble and they're not super awesome people. I mean, she she meets these uh, twins named the Feathers and they're these underground idol duo is what uh, Mikado is calling them. And they're named uh, I think it's pronounced Miyu and you. And she introduces herself as Pop, and they immediately, like, start kind of bad-talking her behind her back. You know, like, oh, someone needs to call the fashion police on this pumpkin. So, I mean, they're they're pretty rude to her off the bat. And then all of these people show up that are just, like, dancers. And Mikado says that she wants to get them some costumes, but they don't need costumes, according to them, because they are dancers, I guess. They don't, they're yeah. so good at dancing, they don't need anything to look, you know, gaudy around them. Uh, and they're named the East Naruhata High Dance Squad. Uh, and there's some weird stuff happening with the president of that squad and the like lead singer of the next group named the Mad Hatters. Yeah, the next group is kind of the band. So you have extra vocalists with the feathers. Um, or the twin feathers? What are they called? The feathers? I think they're just called the feathers. feathers yeah, but they're okay. like... So you have the, the underground more twin vocalists idols. with them. <laughs> 
Yeah. And then you have the East Narahuta High Dance Squad. And like I went to a high school that had a dance team that was not impressive. Like they just kind of clapped and stomped. So I hope that these guys are capable of doing more than that. Um, And then uh, the Mad Hatters are supposed to be the band. They're supposed to be like the instrumentalists, I guess. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, there's this panel on one of the pages where... It looks like something straight out of another manga, it does. not one of those mangas, but like a a romance where there's like the their their two faces are passing by one another and it's all hazy and there are like uh, uh like cherry blossom petals blowing in the wind between the two of them. And it's this, like inside this yeah, building. <laughs> love love at first glance, you know. Um where there there's definitely an infatuation going on immediately between the two leaders of these two. And so he, the leader of the band, says, I think I might have just found something more important than rock and roll. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're totally a teenager. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and then of course the girl uh who's the leader of the dance team who said we don't need costumes says, I want to be pretty. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is so terrible. It's so weird. And then they're like sitting next to each other, oh like reviewing what Mikado has to say, and they're both being very bashful. Uh, and Mikado's trying to figure out how she wants to line everybody up, basically. Like, it seems like there's going to be some debate on whether or not Pop is going to be in the middle, like, center stage, or if it's going to be either the twins, or, you know, how this is all going to go down. And so, I mean, really, the rest of this chapter is kind of Mikado coming up with how this event is going to play out. And then we transition back into Pop and Koichi back at the apartment. I say apartment. It's like that weird, like, abandoned building on yeah. top of another <laughs> building that koichi lives we don't in. know what to call this we call it something different every every episode yeah yeah uh but you know i mean she's starting to practice her song and uh koichi is trying to determine how she's going to look out there um it's it's weird i, I feel like pop is constantly in this weird halfway in halfway out kind of scenario where she feels really bashful to be doing any of this she feels really embarrassed and like scared but that doesn't feel like how she's been presented for the rest of this series. You know what I mean? Like when she's pop star, she's so outgoing and like, I mean, one of the first times we were introduced to her, she was performing in front of a huge group of people. So I don't know. It just seems weird that she would be so nervous about it all of a sudden. I like it too. So there's a couple of weird things that happen here. Like number one, it's really hard to tell how much time she spends here. I think it's just one day because Koichi's clothes don't change. Yeah. uh, Between all these panels. Um, the other groups are like training for different things. And that, that the only reason that that really matters is because uh, one of them ends up hurting their ankles, uh, their ankle. One of them, uh, one of the feathers does because the dance team instructor is going a little hard. Um, but I do like the kind of the progression of pop step in these panels where she's growing. She's listening to the, the jingle um, and she's growing more and more kind of open and expressive as she listens from panel to panel. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's kind of embracing it and uh, kind of getting it stuck into her head so that she can perform it well. And I, I just like that visual um, where at first she's kind of like huddled over and listening intently. And now then in the next panel, she's kind of standing up, walking around, and then she's dancing to it and singing or whistling or humming um, behind Koichi. And Koichi seems to be enjoying all of this too and kind of seeing her open up and, and grow in confidence, which is what he wants for her, you know, um, and what she really needs too. So I also got a kick out of these panels because a lot of it is Koichi, like taking care of his house and pop just being there. So it's, yeah, it's this very like relationship feel to it. You know what I mean? And that there's something I, I don't typically ship characters, but I love the idea of pop and Koichi kind of being a thing. Yeah. And we get this weird, like infomercial is what it feels like. It's a couple of panels of captain yep. celebrity taking out King Kong, basically. And it's 
really is just an infomercial for this uh, Naru Fest, is what they're calling it, and it's it's the you know thing that Mikado has sponsored or gotten Captain Celebrity to sponsor, and so it's literally an infomercial in a comic book or I guess a manga. Yeah, and this is where they fight the uh, that's one giant gorilla with let's say an air of royalty about him. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, they couldn't say anything remotely close to King Kong. Yeah, which is fun. that is fun. Uh, and, you know, we also got the X-Men there, like, trying to throw out flyers for this this Naru Fest as well. So, uh, and while in the background, we've got Pop actually practicing this little jingle. So we show back up to where the ensemble is practicing, and this is where we find out that one of the feathers has hurt their ankle. And Pop pretty much sacrifices her center stage ability there, because you we've been under the impression that she's going to be the main centerpiece. But she says, well, hey, what if we put Miyu in the center? That way... She's not moving a whole lot. She can still be part of the show and she won't have to worry about her ankle and then we can make up for it around her. And, you know, it's kind of, I want to use the word wholesome because she didn't need to do that. And if she wanted to, she could have easily have thrown the feathers under the bus after they like shit talked her earlier in the chapter, you know? (laughs) She's still center stage, but she's putting herself behind everybody because she has the, it's just like for the same reason that like in a, in a family photo I have to stand in the back because I'm 6'2 right like you can still see me even though I'm in the back right. and so uh, you know she humbles herself and says hey you guys you guys can still be up front and and they seem to be the one that had the problem early on when Mikado's first idea for blocking all this was the feathers flank like on either side of pop step during the uh, during the number and they were like well that's going to make us just look like backup singers and Mikado or um Popstep I just don't think cares all that much and I think that this is an easy way for her to kind of take some pressure off of herself which she always feels she already feels a tremendous amount of um and there's this really cool like panel at the bottom too where um one of the members of the Mad Hatters is talking to Koichi and says cool girl you've got there and she and uh she, she, he just says yeah she sure is doesn't doesn't kind of back away from her as quickly as he did that that one time in one of the earlier volumes when that when somebody had asked if they were kind of together you and know he was like yeah no no um, not at all <laughs> yeah and this time he he didn't kind of retreat as as quickly as he did um earlier so i don't know you know if you want to read into that too much but it's there um it's it's not uh, it's it's not anything to be read into. It is explicit that he he kind of doesn't freak out like he did last time, which really upset Pop too. Right. Um, and then he totally does a, Ko- a Koichi TM um, because he goes to talk to uh, the, you have this like inner monologue of the leader of the Mad Hatter. and He's talking. He's noticing that the president of the dance team has had a haircut and he's trying to build up this courage to say uh, to tell her that and to tell her that. Sure, it looks good on her or whatever. And Koichi opens his mouth and says, looks like you got a haircut. They sure chopped a ton off. And that ticks off the Mad Hatter guy. Yep. And because Koichi doesn't know how to talk to women at all, <laughs> even Pop Step is just like, you're an idiot. Yeah. And we, we end up finishing this chapter off with this really creepy scene from Queen Bee where she's realizing that a lot of local celebrity heroes are going to be there uh, and some big time guest appearance heroes are also going to be at this event. And she's like, well, if we're going to get some surprise heroes, it's only fair to have surprise villains, too. And we see that she's got this, like, creature. I mean, this thing looks freaky. And at at first, I didn't recognize it. When it shows up in the next chapter, I think it's the eel kid from, like, really early on. It's just she's pumped him so full of trigger, he looks bigger, meaner, like, more monstrous. Yeah, he looks awesome. And the last time we saw him, he left the police station Mm -hmm. and was immediately snatched up by Queen Bee. Yep. 
or by Honey is uh, is what I've been calling her. But he has got a major upgrade. His design is freaking awesome. I mean, he's huge. Like, I mean, he before he kind of looked like a little seal or something, but now he's like ripped, and he's got these huge frog hands. It's yeah. and he's got five or six eyes. Like, it's a cool design. Um, yeah, very very cool update for his design because you remember last time we saw him, he was just kind of slimy and gross. Yeah. Um, but now he's like, he actually looks like a villain. Like, looks intimidating. Looks. Uh, looks like he would actually put up uh, or, or create a sizable, a sizable disturbance if he decided to play nasty, which he kind of does. Right, right. So that leads us into episode twenty-two or chapter twenty-two. Uh, mine was named Sermon. Oh, mine was just called the Day of. <laughs> That's so crazy. Uh, and it, it starts off with one of my favorites, Present Mike. He's here. He's the first time we've seen him actually in Vigilantes, because he's been mentioned in the past by Midnight and Aizawa, but he's not actually shown up yet, I don't think. I don't remember. I don't... But I'm, I'm comfortable saying that this is definitely his most prominent appearance, and it's literally one panel, and we never see him again. Well, he talks to Midnight <laughs> a little bit later. Does he? Yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's here. He's introducing uh, pretty much the people that are putting on the this big grand uh, opening and he says like, all right, well it's time for the break. We're going to have this quick 30 minute interlude um, and, or sorry, we're going to have this quick 30 minute break. And then afterwards we're going to have all of these uh, people coming out to sing this great song for you. And so we get this cool little, like it looks like something they would have handed out to people. Like as they're coming in, it's called the feather hats and it's got everybody that's going to be participating like the full ensemble. Uh, and so we see them all getting prepared, like they're in what they're calling the performer's green room and they're getting set up and they're like freaking out, you know, 30 minutes to showtime. I do want to take issue with this flyer, though, and with the name of the band, because Feather Hats obviously is a combination between uh, the, the name of the backup singers and then also the uh, the Mad Hatters. Right. There's no mention of the dancing thing, but they were just called the East High School, blah, 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 whatever. So that's fine. But here's what they should have done. And I think that this would have been a totally feasible thing to do is it should have been feather with the star and then hats. Oh, I like, like that. Yeah. You know how like pop, pop, pop step has that star in the right, middle. Right. They should have dropped the star in there. Like, they, come on, man. Like they, that's, that's what they should have done. Or called like, it, pops, it would have been an easy hats. thing to do. They would have just been called to the feather hats, but just having that star in there. Cause nobody calls, I mean, I've jokingly called pop step, pop star step, but um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's a silent star, right, you know, right. no big deal. It's just a, it's just a visual thing. And that would have been an easy thing to add that I thought would have been, you know, thrown pop step a little bit of a bone, but they didn't. But moving right well, along. Well, you know, I just um, realized everybody seems to be now that you say that about the star, for some reason, I just had this thought of a uh, pop step being like that one X-Men, uh, the female, what's her name? Oh, gosh. Dazzler? Yeah, Dazzler. Okay. Yeah, she's kind of a Dazzler. I mean, in a way. Yeah. I mean, her power set has nothing to do with anything that Dazzler does, but she is. I mean, there are there are a couple of um, musically inclined uh, mutants. Yeah, mutants. Yeah, um, like shoot, I can't remember the one that like uh, Lila Cheney maybe is the name that uh, is a is another one that like flies around and um, is like an interstellar pop star. Yeah, that sounds it's pretty familiar. crazy. Um, but yeah, they, she's freaking out. She's having nerves. I've been there, man. I, like I speak every single week and I still get nervous when I get up to speak. Um, so she's freaking out. Um, and <laughs> Koichi, this is where that joke comes back around. Koichi's going over to say, relax, you'll be fine. 
and one of the feathers, I think, punches him in the kidneys and is just like, don't say what she wants to hear. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's guilty of that again. Yeah, was it was great. awesome. Uh, and then the Just bringing that gag around again was fun. And then the president is telling everybody to kind of chill out, and Koichi doesn't recognize her at all because she's cut her hair, I guess. Yeah. yeah who's that? And then the, the leader of the Mad Hatters is trying to get the nerves up to say something nice to the president again and Koichi sticks his foot in his mouth once more and he says uh, I guess anyone can look good with the right getup which he <laughs> he's kind which is kind of insulting right. because the Mad Hatter guy was trying to say man you look really good um and then uh pops pop steps in the back just saying that's not a compliment Koichi uh and he doesn't understand why it's not so yeah but that's Koichi for yep. you and then we get our big first surprise hero which is Miss Midnight the R-rated hero uh man, I still can't believe that she's a character sometimes. Like just <laughs> awesome and kind of erotic. Yeah. Yeah. And then present Mike shows back up and he's got so much energy. He's like, yo, 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 good evening, oh, midnight. Yeah. And uh, you know, and he says, Oh, evening, oh, midnight. Gosh. Ha ha ha. Pretty funny. You know, I mean, and she's like, Shut up, Yamada. And it's so funny because he's like, No, call me Mike. Like, please call me Mike. My name is present Mike. Just call me Mike. <laughs> and she goes, Sorry. Uh, so anyway, Yamada, just right on with it, like doesn't drop it. <laughs> she asks where Aizawa is. Um, and of course, she's asked a couple of other heroes to join. Uh, she asked Endeavor, who just says ridiculous. She asked Ingenium, but he says that he's getting his gear shift modified. And she asked for All Might, and you have Suka, uh, Sukoichi basically saying he can't make it. Yeah. Um, Which, but uh, Ingenium's comment still makes me ponder how his family line's quirk works, because he makes it sound like like and I feel like his brother made it sound like they basically just have gears in their legs. Like they have to get oil changes right. and stuff, which is just yeah, such yeah. a weird concept to me. Well, we he says, Pop, uh, excuse me, President Mike says that Aizawa said he would be there, and Aizawa is kind of on his way. He's doing so reluctantly, but he's he's walking uh, down the street, and he's he's basically he's just like, man, hopefully a villain pops up in this area. Just so that he doesn't have to go. So he could be like, well, you know, I, I was I was totally on my way, guys. But then this thing happened. And then like, right after he says that, he hears people screaming in the distance. <laughs> oh, oh, no, it's a villain. Yeah. And so he uh, immediately dons his goggles and uses his tape to start flying through the air. Uh, like only the best hero in all of my hero academia can. <laughs> uh, and he shows up and it's the eel guy is uh, has apparently been set loose. And this is kind of it's it's in close proximity to. Where this event is, so Aizawa wasn't a long way off. This guy's close, but they're not like they're not in the building. Right. They're certainly not in the couple midst blocks of the concert. Away. So yeah, yeah. And I yeah, didn't he's, realize he's intercepting this guy. And I didn't realize until just now that the big eel guy is saying the letter P over and over and over. And he was in the mm-hmm. last chapter. I'm guessing he's probably trying to say pop uh, because yeah. I remember he had that infatuation with her, and he is like, what would you say, easily ten times bigger than he was the last time we saw him. Because it looks like he's at least two stories tall here. Yeah, he was pretty big last time, um, but he's definitely gained some size for sure. Because when he transformed, he was still big old slippery eel that that dwarfed some of the other characters. Right, right. But he's way bigger this time around. Uh, Anyways, Aizawa tries to take him down, and he's trying to use his quirk, but his quirk doesn't exactly erase this character's the eel's quirk away. So uh, he's trying to figure out whether or not this is an instant villain, is what he calls him, or if he's an actual villain. And he's really not super sure. Um, And at first, he he thought maybe it was a transformation quirk. Like someone's quirk, I guess, had just flipped on, and he trans, or this thing transformed into this massive monster. Uh, but he ends up tying him up pretty good. The, the monster gets out relatively easily uh, because he's so slippery. 
And then he's able to pull off this like crazy electric attack. I mean, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and I want to before we talk about uh, that uh, electric attack real quick, I want to go back to something that you said because Aizawa says that his his erasure isn't having any effects on his body, so it's not a temporary transformation. Right. This is just how he is. And that's super sad because last time we met Eel Boy, it was a transformation thing. Yeah. Uh, so somehow this triggers or whatever Queen Bee has done to this guy has made it a permanent effect. Um, and And who knows what has been what damage has been done to him in the in the process like some part of his primal brain is still there because he still uh, has this uh attraction to pop step um but he's not able to transition back into that albeit creepy looking but still very much human boy right, um right. you know he he seems stuck in this particular state so when like when Aizawa was talking about that either it's a massive continuity error or this trigger has really jacked this this young boy up and this is just who and what he is now. I wonder if he's still the kid. It's just that he's got so much trigger in him that he that basically Aizawa's quirk is not powerful enough to transform him back. Yeah, and that could be. I hadn't like thought once about the that, trigger wears the... off, he may go back to being a kid. So so Aizawa's quirk might not work against enhanced quirks. Well, but but he was still trying to use it against enhanced quirks during the Shia Hisaikai stuff. He was. So I think it would still but I think the the big difference though is is he's mentioned in the past, I think anyways, that his quirk doesn't work against like physical quirks, basically. Like if uh I'm trying to think of what his name is, uh like he couldn't make Tokoyami's bird head go away. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. But but that wasn't a transformation, and that's the distinction that Aizawa is making. Oh, here. okay. He's I see like, what you're saying. There are people who their quirk just changes their body, like the shark guy from the USJ right. attack. Or like, like uh, he is a shark. What's his name? Uh, the voice actor is is Gohan's voice actor. What was his name? Fat Gum? Yeah, yeah, Fat Gum. I guess that if Fat Gum was like super beefed up, Aizawa's erasure quirk would probably work on him. I mean, that's technically a transformation, so he could use it to, to transform Fat Gum back to like a normal looking individual, I suppose. I don't think he could, but only because Fat Gum's quirk has to do with actually, it's almost like additive. Remember, he has to pack all that stuff on, That's so he's true. got like a reservoir. It's less a transformation think, more than he's just like storing do stuff. Do you think the uh, erasure quirk would just basically deplete that reservoir instantly? Uh, I don't. I don't know. See, that's where I, I just, I, I feel don't... like the limitations of his quirk are so strange because they feel like really OP in certain instances and totally worthless in some. Yeah. Well, I don't, I think the way that I read this was that Eel Boy has made a permanent shift to this physical transformation and it can't be undone. Sure. That's how I read that. And most of the time when we see a transformation quirk like this and they're KO'd, they revert. But that doesn't happen. That's here. true because Azawa um, is able to take him down, and he doesn't revert back. Yeah, I mean, he, well, he takes himself down. He pops that uh, that electric heel quirk you were talking about, and, but it's I guess more than even his body can handle. So he shorts out all the electricity in some unknown area, but that, but which includes the concert. Um, but he's also like lying down on the side or on his side. He's just out. I mean, he's still bound up with Aizawa's, um bindings right. his, his little medical band things but he does seem to be down to the count now i have literally not read past the next page or uh, the next two pages so like it could be this is one of those things where it's like chapter 23 starts and the eel man is still on the loose but i haven't gotten that far it looks like in this panel that he has ko'd himself yeah i, I totally agree because he's got like smoke coming off of himself and it, there's even like a slump like they they write the kanji for slump uh so yeah. 
Yeah, and and this is where Queen Bee is like up on a tower watching all of this go down, and uh, she says, "Good going, little Teru, uh, Teruo, I guess." Uh, and so yeah. you know, it's Eel boy, poor guy, R.I.P. Yeah, and uh, she wants to go and get a sample. I'm willing to bet that she probably used a different form of trigger on him because that seems to have been the consistent throughput in this is that they're like altering that trigger serum so that way every time it's just a little bit different. Uh, and, and she says, well, before that, since the blackouts got everyone at the event panicking, might as well as pump them all full of trigger. So she's wanting to go and like mess with all these people at the event. But before she can, there's this voice that comes over the intercom and is like, Hachisuka, as I've explained, that sort of action doesn't square with our costs. And besides, we can't have them carting, any, carting away the valuable test subject. Depending on how things go, we might have to cease the experiment in Naruhata. Like, question mark. So it's it, this other person out there that she's working with is like, come on now, that's not what we're trying to do here. Yeah, and she just wants to have fun. Yeah, I she mean, doesn't she, care at all. Her, her setting the trigger loose on all those uh, concert goers was her idea of fun. Um, it's just a little hobby of mine is how she says it. And she said something similar really early on that she basically sidelines as a villain. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, this is where your your chapter title comes in because she says I'm not I'm really not digging this sermon. Yeah. Um. And then that that is a uh, knuckle duster's cue because he comes out on the roof and he's like, oh, don't like sermons, huh? Big shocker. Girls your age don't like uh, being spoken to like that at all. Don't like being lectured. And then, then is when we get this this massive reveal. Um. Because he says I understand that better than anyone. So let's make this short. And she's like, what do you want, you old fart? And she and he says to her, to Honey slash Queen Bee, you're coming home, Tama-O. Mom's waiting. Yeah. that's a. And so this is Knuckle Duster's daughter. Well, you know, and so this is where I'm wondering, do you think it's possible that it is maybe not Knuckle Duster's daughter, but maybe they, and I say they as in Knuckle Duster and his wife, were just the victims of Queen Bee? I mean, we saw her calling that other you know, couple mom and dad, what if knuckle duster brought her in, in the hopes of being able to help her or rehabilitate her or whatever? I mean, we've seen him take care of Koichi and pop. So it's not un, you know, likely that he wouldn't have already done that once. And she betrayed them and basically, you know, did whatever happened to his wife. Here's why I think my reading is the, is what it is. And why I think earlier on where I was talking about this bee thing almost being like a possession is because she doesn't seem to register recognition of Knuckle Duster here. And it could be just because he's wearing a mask and she's not used to seeing her dad in a mask. Possible. But I think that this, whatever this queen bee thing is, uh, it's almost like short-circuited possibly her brain and she's not recognizing somebody that she probably should. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm of the opinion that this actually is his daughter. That's interesting. Um, I, like it's, it's his and the mom's biological, uh, biological daughter. And maybe what happened to her, to, to honey slash queen bee, uh, to what do they call her? Tama. O was part of the reason why that mom may have ended up in the state that she's that's in. That's what I was thinking um, too. Like it was a trauma. Yeah. Cause she seems, I mean, I almost wonder if the eye patch is where, Maybe, you know, Tamo or or Queen Bee tried to put a nest in her mom's head, basically. You know, that's kind of what led me to think that maybe she was able to do that with her quote unquote friend, you know, and and basically have a 
a backup nest or something like that. And it's possible she could have multiple queen bees out there controlling people. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm really not sure how, how any of that stuff works, but cool thing to note before we, as we wrap up um, ch- uh, episode slash chapter 22 is that knuckle duster is not using his tried and true uh, brass knuckles in this particular instance. He's got basically these modified taser fist. Yeah. Things. They're cool looking. Um, yeah, so he, I mean, it's a non-lethal approach is what he's going for. I think he is trying to incapacitate her so that he can fix her, save her. You know, uh, I think that this is a, uh, like a search and rescue thing more than it is him trying to take a villain off of the street. Or maybe it's equal measures of those maybe. things. Maybe. Um, I'm not entirely sure yet. Maybe he's gone up against her before and realizes that beating her pulplessly doesn't do anything. He's going to have to shock her or something. Yeah, I don't know, but we're going to find out literally page one, probably of, I'm sure. of uh, the next. Then, oh, oh, by the way, uh, episode or, or chapter 23 is literally called Daughter. And then episode 24 is called Father Daughter Talk. And then episode 25 is called Goodbye to Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that daughter thing seems to be like a pretty strong contender. That's funny. For uh, the explanation. All yeah. Of that. Yeah. No, you're probably right. I just like to make things way more complicated than they really are. Yeah, you do. But it's yeah. Fun. That's it. That's that's the end of uh, chapters 19 through 22, and we're going to pick up with chapters 23, 24, 25, 26, and episode zero, so don't forget about that. All of that is contained within the pages of the fourth volume of My Hero Academia Vigilantes, which Adam and I highly suggest you check out. I am actually growing to like this at least as much as uh, My Hero proper. Definitely, yeah. Um, there are times when I like it more, sometimes. Yeah, I, I like um, visual media a lot more than I like reading. Right. Um, that's really the my biggest hang up, you know, and it's oh, it's really more of a time thing because I can turn on the the TV and have it kind of playing in the background and still pay enough attention. Obviously not enough to do a podcast on it, but you know, it's something that is just easier for me in my current status. But being able to sit down and read this every week is awesome. Like I've really enjoyed these. Yeah, super good. I mean, especially for I can't think of many spin-offs of main series that I like even as much as I do the main series, but Vigilantes is definitely counted yeah. amongst The them. only one I can think of that I really like is uh, Torchwood, is a spinoff of Doctor Who. I don't know if you've ever watched mm-hmm. it, but I really enjoyed Torchwood. Yeah, uh, wh- that is, uh, I'm aware of it. I don't really watch anything Doctor Who. Would so. you consider Dragon Ball Z a spinoff of Dragon Ball? I would call it a, con- a, continuation, a continuation of... Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. But anyways, uh, that is our four chapters. And, you know, last week, uh, I actually went back and listened to see if we were going to cast anybody this week, because I, I started to record, and I, or I was getting ready to record, and I was like, crap, who were we casting this week? And luckily, I didn't forget this time. We just weren't casting anybody. No, we totally... We either forgot, or we've been... We've kind of gotten to the point with my hero casting that we're just like, we don't... Number one, we're we're beginning to lose track of who it is that we've cast, which I'm going to fix here soon. Um, we'll get that running list up that I talked about at the end of last episode. Number two, we feel like we're we're kind of moved definitely, even if we continue to cast My Hero Academia proper, um, we, we've kind of moved past most of who we would consider to be the main players that actually you could cast somebody as. Like, we haven't cast Kirogiri, but Kirogiri is just a giant mist man. Right. Um, so stuff like that. Although I feel um, like Tom so we had... would play him. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll just say that that's our official okay. casting. I'm cool. With that. Um, 
um, so what we thought we would do is um, start casting some of the Vigilantes crew, and we'll just start with Koichi. Um, that seems like a really easy place to start. Um, so we'll cast Koichi next week, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks as we continue to cast some Vigilantes characters, um, I'll get that list built up, and maybe we'll return and say, oh man, how did we not cast so-and-so from my hero? We're dummies. We'll rectify that now, and we'll fill in uh, any of the gaps that we think are just we desperately need to cast to pull this movie off the way that we want. For to. sure. For sure. It's going to be great. Not that our movie is even remotely possible because you're casting like, you know, Terminator aged, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger for things. Well, so. you know, it's time travels real. We could go back in time and <laughs> grab them. And... But that's it. I think that's, uh, all I have for this week. You... Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. But I'm looking forward to next week, man, or I guess two weeks from now. Yeah, stay tuned. We we're looking. We we did look ahead uh, to the release date for uh, the second My Hero movie, um, so that we can get that watched and reviewed. Uh, since Adam missed that in the yeah. theater, boo hiss. I know, I know. Um, and that's coming up, about, so it'll be. We'll have a good filler episode soon for you guys. Yeah, um, we talked about me doing some maybe some filler stuff. Just just me. Um, just little quick hit things uh, to fill in some of the gaps as we desperately wait for uh, season five to come around. So uh, just hang in there with us. And it's not even like you're hanging in on nothing. This vigilante stuff is very good. We highly recommend it. Go and grab uh, the the volumes and uh, and read along with us, just like we would invite you to do with the show. Absolutely. And we'll see you in a couple weeks. See you guys. The Almighty Podcast is a production of the Back Patio Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out our others at backpationetwork.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash backpationetwork. And feel free to hit us up on Twitter at at backpationet or at almightypod. We'd love the chance to talk with you.